I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science If you changed. count the legal votes, I we easily agree. win. Go for a short it is time to get your bricks This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be I shouldn't be up here. What? I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the Acast Creator Network. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question... What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Boris Johnson's government has explained it was fine for them to have a series of parties last year while the rest of us were ordered to isolate because the rules were perfectly clear. They were that you must have no contact with anyone whatsoever unless you were all getting pissed together in a tiny room. So less important people, such as patients dying alone in hospital, could have invited families into the wards if they'd all brought balloons and a crate of San Miguel lager and had a laugh by putting helium in the respirator and going, Does anybody know if it's safe to mix tequila with morphine? And to make it even more official, they could have snorted lines of coke off the x-ray machine and sped up the heart monitors until they were going, like a dance track in a nightclub. And then they could have stayed for their aunt's last few hours. And throughout this time, kids had to be homeschooled. But they would have been allowed into class with their mates if they'd all taken a bottle of vodka to a maths lesson and played a game where you had to drink a cupful and then do your 12 times table. Now, the government assured us the parties were within the rules as they were necessary meetings. Which might seem strange because one government source announced that at the parties they were all getting totally plastered and Carrie is addicted to them. But Carrie will explain, yeah, that's because, uh, like, I've got an intern called Harriet who's just too amazing to be single and I knew that she would really hit it off with John Whittingdale who's lovely but reserved and does like to be dominated. So it was absolutely necessary that they met because Harriet would bring him out of his shell if he got totally plastered. And so many people conducted all their meetings on Zoom for months in complete isolation. But that's because their meetings weren't necessary. They were about rubbish that didn't matter, such as the design of skyscrapers or interviews for the head of a space agency. They weren't important like the necessary meetings at number 10, in which issues were raised such as whether everyone had a tequila shot and was ready to down it in one. Soon, it will be revealed that in the middle of lockdown, there was a party at 10 Downing Street in which 200 people were squashed into a hot tub and had an orgy. But it was an essential orgy in which necessary business was discussed and all rules were observed. And in particular, one inside source will claim the distribution of protective equipment for medical staff throughout the East Midlands was high on the agenda while the guests were drinking champagne through a flower pot. And then Boris will intervene himself, saying the hookers were very necessary as they gave valuable insights into how we can improve trade relations with Belgium. Now, there have been other explanations this week of the government's behaviour during the pandemic, because it turns out there were vigorous checks on any company before they were granted a contract to make medical equipment. Ministers would check vigorously that the owner of the company was a mate of theirs because you don't want government contracts going to people who you can't trust because they've never popped around your house for a barbecue and a cocktail. Matt Hancock was especially careful. It was claimed that a contract for £40 million went to his pub landlord's company, 
Hinpack to make test tubes. And Hancock stated this week, that's a load of rubbish. But now it seems that Matt Hancock is telling the truth. The contract for making the test tubes actually went to a company called Alpha. And that contract stated the order must be subcontracted to his pub landlord's company, Hinpack. So it's true his mate got a £40 million contract, but the paperwork shows that it didn't, if you look at it quickly, with the lights off, without really reading it. And this is the attention to detail that made Matt such a popular health minister, and we can't wait to have him back. And so now the government has again laid out clear rules for how to behave this Christmas. One day Sajid Javid said there was no need for people to change their plans. And then the next day another minister said that companies should consider cancelling their office parties. And then another minister said it is all right to snog under the mistletoe, but only if it's someone you know. So now Boris Johnson will clarify it by saying it is OK to kiss under the mistletoe as long as one of you is inside and one of you is outside and if it's a stranger we do urge you to put sanitizer on your tongue but feel free to have unprotected sex on the train on the way home but only if you are in first class and then Jacob Rees-Mogg will say you are not permitted to come together to celebrate the birth of our Lord and saviour so if you wish to convene over the festive period it must be to worship lucifer his most magisterial prince of darkness and now they've announced the slogan keep calm and carry on with christmas so i expect this means there will be a massive carry on party in downing street in which boris johnson says god blimey it's not my face that needs a mask on to keep me out of trouble <laughs> And then you'll hear Pretty Patel screeching, Oh, my word, I've been double-jabbed by Mr Hancock. Oh, 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 and his mate from the pub and all. Oh! What the fuck is going on? Now, there's been a lot of talk about this new Omicron variant, and I'm not an expert on coronavirus, but George Galloway is. Unfortunately, he's suffered a rare side effect from his booster jab, which has made his points too succinct. So instead, we are lucky to have with us a man who doesn't need a booster, deceased cricketer, Fred Truman. Oh, I mean, what is it they've got now? An Omicron variant? I mean, don't talk to me about variants. I mean, in my day, when a virus mutated, you knew about it. I mean, my grandmother used to make her own variant. I mean, it had cabbage and berries that you could only get from a bush on the road to Barnsley, she would boil it up and serve it with a bucket of mud, and if you didn't eat your variants up, you would be sellotaped to a grizzly bear. I mean, <laughs> there was a dicky variant named after Dicky Bird, a lovely man. <laughs> it wiped out the whole of the Oakley. I mean, no one said a word. Then there was an Essex variant, which was so deadly, uh, it took six for 29 against Gloucester, and that was on a flat pitch. Oh, but of course, in, in those days, you just got on with it. I remember one lad, uh, Chubby Flittick, he had the Huddersfield variant of the bubonic plague and he was fielding out at long off. I mean, he caught a ball in his iron lung. <laughs> but, I mean, as vaccine passports or what have you, I, I don't know. I mean, there was a pub in Otley that would not let you in unless you had the virus and you had to prove it by dropping dead or you would not get served. 
But, I mean, these days, if you try to bring that in, you'd have Esther Ranson complaining about you or some such nonsense. I don't know what is going on out there. I give up, I really do. Now, it is impossible to find out, work out, in any way calculate what the fuck is going on. On your own, you need expert assistance. And we are privileged this week to have an absolute expert, Mr. Jamali Medics. Yo. Hello. What's going on? It's a lot of pressure now you say I'm an expert. You are what. expert. What's <laughs> fucking on? Well, you've been to America. Yeah, I have been to America. That is a level of expertise that we do not expect on this podcast. Yeah. Someone who's been to another place. Yeah, I have a passport. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They just dish them out now, don't they? Nah, they just give them to anyone. You used to have to pass a test. Yeah, mate, PC gone mad. Yeah. <laughs> and so where have you been? I was in America. I was all over, man. I think I went to, like, roughly about 15 cities. I was doing right. tours out there, so I was in, like, the But South. not just the big places. Yeah, no, no, no. I went to, like, Spokane, Washington. Uh, yeah, I was around, man. I was based in like Atlanta while I was there, so I was staying in the South whilst I was travelling. But you can't just like, how do you be based in somewhere? Because you could do that over here. You could go, oh, well, I've based myself in London, then I can go to mm. Swindon and get yeah. back. But that's a bit harder, isn't it, if you've got to go 20 billion miles? Well, you fly, isn't it? Oh, right. I'm not walking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I like how like you were like, you can live in London and you can go Swindon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that was yeah. like the peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of that what is life is like you can that, go swimming Jamali, from London that is the difference between our generations <laughs> so Jamali you have been on some fantastically uh, peculiar programs mm-hmm. and I'm very jealous in particular there was one I saw you on called Whose House Is This oh my god this is my house <laughs> this is my Bro, house you're calling out them credits listen man I, it, <laughs> Covid work was real wasn't it <laughs> You know what I mean? Sometimes you have to pick up some work during COVID. <laughs> Do you know what? It was weird, yeah, because someone messaged me. And he goes, you know what? I saw you on This Is My House. And I was like, oh, <laughs> here we go. Because it's not like I've gone from fucking Hate Thy Neighbour, which is me tackling fascism, doing edgy stand-up, and then now I'm on primetime BBC This Is My House. It was weird because I was talking to my friend and he goes, I'm really into This Is My House. And he goes, I just love you on This Is My House because you can tell you don't care. It was funny though because it was a met For people who won't know the programme, it, it, I just sort of stumbled across it and there's like six people or something in yeah. a house and they're all pretending that they live there, except one does live there. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's a group of celebrities, of which you were one, that then have to work out which person is this who actually lives in this house. Yeah, it was strange. Like the, what? cheese-induced dream encouraged somebody to come up with this mental idea for a program. But it was funny, though. It's... It worked. It really worked. It was Richard Bacon came up with it. Because oh, right. because I did the pilot for them. Right. And then like, and I thought, like, you know, whatever. And then they were like, do you want to do it? And I kind of was like, well, no, but yeah, all right. I ain't doing fuck all because it's COVID. And it was funny because there was one episode, there was six episodes, and I was only in five. I didn't do the oh, last right, one. Right. And it was funny because people were tweeting. All the tweets were just like, where the hell is Jamali? This is, <laughs> where is Jamali? I'm gonna, we're going to strike if you don't bring back. Like, people were so furious <laughs> that I weren't there. And I thought that was very yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, But now, this does bring me to this very, very strange moment this week. Mm. when I sort of, I don't know, I went in the kitchen, made a cup of tea, whatever I did, I come back on, the telly was on, I didn't know what it was. And there was this programme 
Mm. where they were talking about hip-hop in Bristol, the history of graffiti artists in yeah, Bristol yeah. and hip-hop and its sort of relationship with rap and Massive Attack and the role they played. And then there was mm. sort of footage of battles with the police and all sorts of discussions about racism in Bristol. And I thought, wow, this is a brilliant programme, this. What is this? I swear it was Flog It. <laughs> it was the opening 10 minutes that is funny. Of, of Flog It. And then they go, so that's where we are today in Bristol. <laughs> and then you're in a church and there's all people going, now I've got two biscuit tins here and I've had them for five right. years and right. I'm hoping to get £8.50 for them. So there you are, Jamali. So this is the way it's going. I think you'll be on Flog It next presenting yeah. that. Well, I've done weird. I'm in the weirdest show. So This Is My House was a weird show. And the other show I did was I got asked to do it. And my agents were asked me in the sense of, he was like, well, you might not want to do it, but they offered it. And he's sort of telling me, as like, isn't this funny they asked you? And it was antique road trip. No. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They asked me to do antique road trip. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I said, I'll only do it if I can do it with Bobby Mayer. You know Bobby Mayer? No. Bobby Mayer's a Canadian comedian who's mental. Like, he's like, <laughs> off, he's my, one of my good friends and he's mental. He's just like, ah, like mental. And they were like, no, you can't do it with Bobby. And I was like, well, I won't do it. And they were like, fine, you can have Bobby. So I did Antiques Road Trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I did Antiques Road Trip with Bobby Mayer. Has that gone out? Yeah, yeah, it went out. And it was honestly, like, Bobby <laughs> nearly made my expert cry. <laughs> Mate, it was it was honestly this hilarious. This is a brilliant. Man. This is the way Telly's going then. Yeah, yeah. And now we've got songs of praise with Pete Doherty yeah. and Stormzy. Well, the thing is, it's a, you know, it's a generational thing, isn't it? I think it's like the people who enjoy those shows are probably not going to be around for long, and they kind of need younger people to start watching <laughs> it to keep it to maintain it. So you might need to get Stormzy on song of praise. It wouldn't shock me. I think that's brilliant. Now, here's a thing. What do you reckon on this? So, Meghan Markle, sometimes there are battles that go on and you mm. think, oh, now, what side do I take there? Mm. Meghan Markle versus the Mail on Sunday. Mm. So, she's won a court case over them. They've obviously been horrible to her. Yeah. What do you reckon? This is a good thing. Meghan Markle seems to be winning these cases. I think the, the problem is, is we saw it with the news of the world and we've seen it with other publications that they kind of just, they're just lying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not like they're investigating and they're uncovering these things. It's just lies. And it's like, I don't know what they've said about Meghan Markle for her to sue. Cause I'm not really, I don't follow the royalty. I'm not into all that royalty shit. But I think if the newspapers were in the wrong, then they should have to be held accountable like anyone else would be held accountable. And well, I, think, I would say, you know, I've never followed the royals all that much, which is my way of saying I've never been into that royalty shit. Mm. But, I do find myself back in a... Because the way I see it, right, with Meghan Markle is that the British establishment with uh sort of went, right, I'll tell you what you can do, Meghan, you can fuck off. Go on, fuck off. Just mm. fuck off. Come in, if you want to be a bloody proper princess, what do you do? Fuck off. Curtsy when you're told, having ideas of your own. Mm. So then she left and they went, where the fuck are you going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come they've, back they've, here and be told to fuck off that is yeah, your yeah, role. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, completely. Uh, so I find myself sort of backing with her. I don't know when people go, oh, but she's a nightmare. I'm sure she is. But then it's like a nightmare to who exactly? She wants to, you know, say her opinions and do this and do that. And the establishment of the royalty doesn't allow that. And it's like, I'm good with someone pushing against that because it's a ridiculous system anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's a ridiculous idea that we have a king and a queen. It's stupid. We have princes and they live in a castle that we have to pay for. 
It, it, do you know what I mean? Because it's like one of the big arguments for royalty anyway is that, well, it brings tourism. Well, it's like, yeah, but if they didn't live there, people would still go visit the fucking... If anything, we could have tours inside. It would be better. Yeah, 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 exactly. Many years ago, I used to do a joke of going, uh, yeah, no, that is a good argument because people go to France, but they go yeah. to the top of the Eiffel Tower and they look out and they go, it's not a bad view, but the lack of a royalty spoils it for me. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, I mean, so I think Meghan Markle has been pushing against royalty. I, I, you know, yeah. And I can completely forgive her for being naive enough to think that being married to Prince Harry would involve her in the royalty in yeah, any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I, I hear what you're saying, and I do agree with that. Like, there is a bit of naivety of, like, well, what did you think you was marrying into? But then at the same time, it's like they did the thing of, like, they were willing to leave it, leave the money, make on their own, move to America. I mean, and let's be honest, they were living in a mansion. Like, it wasn't like yeah. that they were sent out with nothing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they wasn't kicked out at 16 years old of their house and have to live in a hostel. Like, they're doing no. fine. Well, Barbados has got rid of the royal family now this week. Yeah, yeah, great. A hundred percent. And then, you know, I think a lot of places are trying to, you know, rid their sort of colonial history and sort of seeing the ridiculousness in it because it's like, what benefit does Barbados have? I mean, it's just a person on the, the paper at that point. It's not like England is still funding Barbados in any way. So, um, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's amazing to get rid of the Queen in Barbados. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. And then we've got to come on to the really serious subjects. It's a shame to have to sort of deal with really serious subjects like this. There's a guy this week, Jamali, mm. who he, he was a chef mm. and he made a cottage pie for a restaurant mm. and it was so bad that someone died from the cottage <laughs> pie. <laughs> I mean, this is terrible because this poor, this poor person is just 92 years old. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, when you're 92, your strength at resisting a bad cottage pie is obviously diminished. Yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah, age, yeah, yeah. You know, a bad cottage pie for you and I, I would hope we would see it through. We'd have the squits for a morning. Did she finish it? I don't know. Because if she finished it, he can't get tried for murder. No, that's a good point. I think if she finished it, it was sort of like euthanasia at that point. Do you know what I mean? Like she chose, she tasted it and was like, this is going to kill me, but I'm 92, I'm checking out anyway. But uh, that's insane, man. But now, here's the thing. So this week he was interviewed about it and he said, obviously he regrets it, but he said, but it has made me into a better chef. <laughs> You think that you would get fired from that, but they're like, you know what? We believe in his ability. But so, we're so short of chefs and people in hospitality after Brexit that now they go, right, what? Uh, you're a chef, yeah. Is there any reason why we shouldn't employ you? I killed someone with a cottage pie. Have you become a better chef? I think so. You th Okay, all right then. Because you think it's like, I thought it'd be like, you know, and he says he's going to retire from cooking and then 10 years later we find his love again, sort of like a rom-com thing. But like, <laughs> it, it, the fact that he's just like, yeah, you know, I'll just be a better chef. Are the family pissed? Or the family just like, ah, shit happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens, who's going to do? And what restaurant? Was it like a good restaurant? Because I mean, if this is a Weatherspoons, then you enter at your own risk. <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could argue in a court of law that maybe it was the £1.49 guest ale that did it. There you There's go. There's no guarantee it was the cottage pie. Yeah, there was no guarantee. Yeah, unless you can prove it was the, the... I wonder if it was like the taste of it or if it was the rotten meat or... I think the mince was frozen. That changes the story a bit. I think he actually did mess up badly. <laughs> I, think, I think you could actually get in real trouble for that because of health and safety standards. You would have thought so. Yeah, I think, you know, you messed up. Wouldn't you notice 
the mince's fried. I was in a restaurant in Paris once, and I love this about Paris, and I got a potato, baked potato, and it was clearly totally frozen, rock hard, like an offensive weapon. It wasn't sort of like, oh, it's a bit hard in the middle. No, it was utterly, utterly, totally frozen. And so I sort of suggested that maybe this, it, it would change it. And he was just so Gallic and French. Hmm? <laughs> but what I like hmm. about that story is that you've gone to France, which is the capital of food, and you've ordered yeah. a baked potato. <laughs> yeah, good point. Well, you don't want to trust that foreign mutt, do you? Yeah, you know I mean, like, you've got to, like, the place where it's known for its French cuisine. It's like, oh, I have the baked potato, love. Yeah. Extra beef on like, that, please. I always say, uh, in the book coming out, that uh, I reckon up to the age of 16, I reckon I ate nine different items of food growing up in Kent. Tomato, corned beef, cabbage, chicken, lettuce, baked beans, angel delight, pine sponge pudding. To be fair, that's not the worst that you can live <laughs> off that diet. That is a post-apocalyptic world diet, but you can live off it. You were eating like a World War Two like guy in the trenches with corned beef and cabbage. Yeah, yeah. You could probably yeah. live off that though. Yeah, I, I yeah, I've yeah. always been like I always ate everything, so it didn't really bother me. Not frozen uh, minces from cottage pies, but no, that's hard. When... And it's hard to keep a cottage pie mince frozen. Yeah, so he's done really, really he's done, well. That's pretty My... impressive. <laughs> Right, Giovanni, what have you got that we should all know about? I'm on tour next year with King Crud, and I'm going across the country. The main show I'm doing is London. I'm doing Hackney Empire. Hey, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in March or May. One of the, May. All right, May. well, it's in May. It's in May. we must all go to that, yeah. Giovanni. That would be absolutely brilliant. It's a huge round of applause and cheers and bugles across the country, please, podcastees. Mr. Jamali Maddox. Oh, what the fuck is going on? The Royal National Lifeboat Institution has been in the news again this week and lots of people have been rallying around them and supporting the brilliant work that they do. But not this one woman who I overheard in a cafe. So we went to the seaside at Hastings as we'd all got brand new Apple watches and we wanted to ensure they were waterproof and salt water. So we strapped them to the nanny's wrists and told her to run into the sea as it was only 13 degrees and we couldn't wait until March when we go to Nice. As the test takes an hour, our daughter Nectarine thought it would be a great idea to go on a boat ride. But some awful man in a uniform said, you can't go on this one, it's a lifeboat. So Colin said, well, what if we pay cash? Because, well, he knows how these things work. But then he kept getting distracted by texts from work and he had to look at them because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. And then all these idiots in life jackets started shouting at us, get out of the way, there's an emergency, we're trying to launch the boat. And I said, well, this is an emergency too because Nectarine wants to see some dolphins. But apparently, no, that's not classed as an emergency. Instead, they start banging on about rescuing some poor woman with a load of watches around her wrist who'd been spotted floating halfway to Bex Hill. Well, if people insist on going swimming at this time of year, what do they expect? Oh, but that's the trouble with people, isn't it, these days? It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, is this pâté fresh? And um, I'm only good at looking after children. We've lost another nanny. So, podcastees, it is the case that I am not just someone who sits behind the podcast microphone. I also sometimes venture out when we're allowed to. 
I'm going to East Grinstead, I think, on the 22nd of January. I know that's not the most positive plug ever. I think I'm going to East Grinstead. But I am definitely, I can say that definitely, which is a huge improvement. And doing some other shows as well next year, if we're allowed to go out by then. Uh, what else? Oh, and my book, Who Do I Think I Am? A story, how can I sum this up in 30 seconds? Turns out my natural biological parents were... Um, Oh, it's crazy. There's no point in me saying because if I said it turns out my natural biological parents were aliens and they've been running Essex since the ninth century, that would be considerably less crazy than the truth. So that will come out on Audible this Thursday and it lasts about... 40 hours or something so uh, do it one sentence at a time and also i'm doing a show in french do two shows in french je vais faire les spectacles en français janvier 23 à brighton le club comédia at 28 à la museum of comedy qu'est-ce que le nique se passe i say that every week it's french for what the fuck is going on now, we've had lots of people responding to my quest for people asking what the fuck is going on. So, Rob Grace Comedy sent a link to an article from BBC Radio Gloucestershire. This is the sort of thing that goes on in the world. All of this is exactly as it's written. The bomb squad were called to Gloucestershire Royal Hospital yesterday after a man told staff he had an explosive device in his rectum. It had been removed before police arrived and was not live. Oh, thank God for that. The hospital say their safety procedures ensured staff and visitors were not at risk. Right, uh, can you all just move along, please? If you can just sort of shuffle down, and maybe out into the car park, there's a bloke here, he's got a doodle bug up his arse. So if you could just move out, please. We haven't got time to waste. I mean, I tend to sort of take the view with sexuality that, uh, I don't know, these things aren't really my cup of tea, but it's up to you. But you have to draw the line somewhere, and where I draw the line is hard weapons up the arse. Call me old-fashioned, but that's not... What else is... Blimey, there's a Lancaster bomber up here and all. That's been missing. We've been looking for that. The military have been bloody going mad. There's bloody all conspiracy theorists thinking it's on the moon. It's up this bloke's arse. At Baldface147 says, How about this research that suggests that all cats are partly psychopaths? All that money wasted on research when all they had to do was ask a cat owner. Well, I agree. And as someone who I absolutely adore cats, I like their sort of insouciance. I love their diffidence, their irreverence, their complete disinterest in following the rules. It is sociopathic. And you know, I think as part of the charm of having a cat, as you know, that if you died, the cat would go, oh, it's somewhat of a nuisance. Either someone will move in or I have to move in somewhere else. I suppose I could eat this bastard if he lays here long enough. I quite like that about cats. Uh, at Smart UK, this is even more serious. Where the fuck have all the crisps gone? There's a crisp shortage in the UK. Now, being of a liberal persuasion, I am inclined to say that'll be a Brexit. I have no idea, and probably that'll be what turns it. There'll be a demand for another referendum. Boris Johnson will be desperately, no, the uh, it's just simply uh, nothing but a short term bureaucratic uh, with the, with the Belgians fault and uh, that will be what brings him down uh, people across the country all in the red wall seats well I mean we, we voted for him in 2019 
but uh, we thought we'd give him a go. But then, uh, this Christmas, uh, we went down to get crisps, like, and they said, we've only got two packets left, and they were ready sorted, and they're no good. It's all right for the rest of the year, but you can't make do with playing, not at Christmas. And that's it now. We've given up on Tories now, and we've all decided to join Workers' Revolutionary Party, because that's just put all crisis at capitalism into perspective for us. Anyway, all that will sort it out. Hope that answers all of your questions. I think that's pretty thorough. Thank you very much. What the fuck is It's impossible to know what the fuck is going on unless you listen to all sorts of different opinions. And we're very lucky to have with us someone who is the master of gently teasing out opinions. Talk show host, Mike Concrete. So, uh, we've got with us Balao something or other. God, I'm told he's part of a scheme to teach the clarinet to underprivileged kids or something, if you can believe it. Hey, nice to meet you, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, so you play the clarinet, do you? What do you do, charm snakes with it, is that it? <laughs> no, that's very funny, but, uh, well, that's actually a, a, a pun guy, uh, which is a very different instrument, actually. I suppose you're sending secret messages through this flute of yours. Well, again, uh, the flute is uh, actually an entirely uh, different... Uh, in- Semi-quaver means twin towers, does it? Is that it? <sighs> Look, I, I came on to talk about the... Let me ask you the, something, Bill Al, mate. Blown anyone up today? Sorry? You heard me. Or is the blast still ringing in your ears? Can I just talk about this scheme? All right, listen, we're going to primary schools and we're about to... Yeah, do- yeah, yeah, sure you are. Answer this, Bill. How many times have you committed suicide? OK, you know what? You, you're just out of order, all right? You can't not talk to me like this. What oh, now the mask slips. Where did you learn to be so angry, mate? Some clarinet training camp in the hills of Afghanistan? Oh, my God. Look, can I... Can I please just talk about this scheme? It's not... Muslims are all the same. Look at the Cray twins. They bumped off a few people, didn't they? I mean, we... The, the Cray twins weren't Muslims. Yes, they were. See ya, Bill Al. That's enough of that, idiot. Is it any one of the Queen's ill? Here's Donald Trump with today's jest puzzle. What the fuck is going on? Now, if you are serious about finding out what the fuck is going on, you need to have a breadth of opinion across the generations. And that is why I bred someone who would be able to furnish me with all of the values and opinions and insights that the young people can possibly amass. Mr. Elliot Steele, fresh from last week's revelations that Class A drugs had been taken while you were sat on the settee with me watching the cricket. Hello. I didn't take him on the settee while watching the cricket. I took him in Crystal Palace Park and then came back because I got a bit nippy and you were on the settee watching the cricket. Okay. Acid's not Class A, is it? Yes, it is. Is it? Acid's Class A. Cocaine's Class A. We really are a fucking country of pussies, aren't we? (laughs) You can't... Oh, I didn't know robbing a bank with a sawn-off shotgun. Is that illegal? Mm. Oh, blind. Speaking of... uh illegal things this week. I've come to talk to you about uh, something I'm very heavily invested in, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. 
OK, well, with your knowledge of the law, then, we should be able to sort of ascertain exactly what's going on then with your, with your expertise. So do you know what counts as Class A paedophilia? This is not just Class A. This is, like, the operation of paedophilia. Because usually, like, paedophilia in this country, like, gets stopped by a couple blokes in an Asda car park and they live stream it on Facebook. Yes. But this is, this is like, different level. Because she, she, she's arguing that she had no knowledge of what was going on with Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. So um, we should just make this clear to anybody who hasn't followed this. So, Ghislaine Maxwell, so it is alleged, procured underage people for Mr Epstein at his world parties. Yes. Yes. And his, the pilot of his plane came on in his trial and named a load of people who had travelled to the island. However, I think actually the pilot was defending Miss Maxwell because he was saying um, he never saw any underage people at the island. But there are people who work at the island that I think are still yet to testify who were like, no, there was definitely underage shenanigans going on. Now, I know it's not quite on the same scale. Are you familiar with It's a Knockout? No. It's a Knockout was this famous programme in the 70s and 80s where you'd get different towns to compete against each other in these games like walking across a beam while people from the other towns were throwing trifles at them or something like that. And when I did the Melton Mowbray show, in town show in Melton Mowbray, and I met one of the leaders of this sort of peculiar council they have there, and one of his proudest claims was that he had arranged for It's a Knockout to be in Melton Mowbray, and he was very... Very, very proud. Now, It's a Knockout was presented by a number of people, including Stuart Hall, who was subsequently done for paedophilia. But this guy said to us, yes, I got It's a Knockout down here. And he said, I can tell you this. I was there all day and I didn't see Stuart Hall do a thing. Well, that's him in the clear then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all this evidence and witnesses, they can say all they like. I know more than him because I was here while he was doing It's a Knockout for one day at Melton Mowbray. And I never saw him do it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> the, the reason I'm interested in, because you, you hate conspiracy theories. You're not a fan of conspiracy. Well, I don't hate them. But all right, go on, go on. There's some I believe. Yeah. You know, like things like the Gulf of Tonkin. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Operation Northwood. That was 100% true. What's that? Operation Northwood is where the CIA went to JFK and went, you know, um, we have to fake attacks on American people and then blame the Cubans for it, and then we can invade Cuba. Oh, yeah, 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 no, I believe that. And JFK went, that's disgusting, and then he was mysteriously shot in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we never found the guy. Well, we found the guy, and then that guy was shot as well. I think JFK was probably shot by someone in the establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's all things like that. But the Epstein didn't kill himself one is a big one, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. The one they might not be familiar with... Well, hang on, we should just explain, because not everyone will know. So Epstein died in prison, didn't he? Yes. After being convicted of, of international, which I always think convicted of international fever. That's why Prince Andrew was involved with him, because he was, in, he was not going to be just involved with a local paedophile. But... The thing that doesn't make sense with the Epstein stuff is the life he led, he didn't have enough money to lead. So he had hundreds of millions, but the life he was leading was that of someone who had multiple billions. Right. You know, you can have hundreds of millions, but to have your own private islands and all these jet and all the property he had, he had the most expensive property in New York. It'd be like if Everton started buying Raheem Sterling and Cristiano Ronaldo. Yes. So there was a judge who was put on the case to look into these accounts. And a lone gunman turned up at her house 
and tried to assassinate her, ended up killing her kid and shooting her husband in a botched assassination attempt. This gunman then disappeared and was found dead a few hours later. And they said, oh, it was suicide. This You can look into this actually happened. This isn't like so I've read this off some guy on Twitter. Right. This happened. Yeah, yeah. And they went, oh, he was just one of those incels. You know, those incels who go nuts. They don't get sleep with women. So they drive a car into a crowd of people. Except this one was so angry at this judge. That it was like not news. That wasn't on all the newspapers. But why do you think they haven't covered it, though? Because there are plenty of sort of journalists around the world who are not working for the establishment. And they covered it. Uh, the reason I don't think it was covered is because I think this runs to a level of power. We're not necessarily to say that everyone involved with Jeffrey Epstein is a paedophile. But I think there is a world where people are procured and brought into things and he was a guy to know and now any picture with him seems bad and abhorrent, which it is. I think I think that his connections run so far and wide that everyone who was anyone at that point doesn't want anything to do with him. I think they look after their own in the establishment, but I do sort of sometimes think, oh, Stop it. The thing with a conspiracy, once it involves more than about five people, someone's going to muck it up, aren't they? The conspiracy theory on it is that he was backed by an intelligence agency, which there's actually just been an article this week, I believe done by BuzzFeed, about how the CIA allowed several of its members to basically engage in paedophilia and didn't do anything about it. I think it's very, very important that we send details of this to MI6 and that they can investigate it. How funny would it be if I killed myself now just to make it look like the MI? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine I just, just killed myself just for the bit. Oh, that'd be a shame. It would ruin the podcast. It would really, really ruin it. I think you just bring Eloise in or something instead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr Elliot Steele. Thank you. Careful of the aliens. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please subscribe, rate it, and if you can be bothered, write a review. And you know what I'm going to say? If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. We now have a website, what the F is going on podcast.co.uk. And if there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. What the Fuck is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Jamali Maddox and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the Fuck is Going On is a co-production between Podmonkey and Consec Industries.